At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. I want to continue this series that I'm teaching about uh, the altar, the altar. This place here is the altar. And um, God told me that we need to reclaim and to rebuild the altar. We need an altar at the church we need an altar in our homes. And we must never forget that we have an altar in our hearts. Amen. Thank God for the ministry of prayer. It's not a 9-11 call. It's not something that you do just when you're in trouble. But what a gift God has given us in prayer to talk to him each and every day. And the strength of any church is to be seen in her commitment to the ministry of prayer. And so I'm, I'm praying that God would help us as a church through this series to recommit ourselves to that ministry of the altar our foundational passage, of course, is Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13. God gave Israel the commandment. He said to them, keep the fire burning on the altar. That is, it was to burn perpetually all day, all night, every day, every night. The fire was to never go out. That's our foundational text. Then we've looked at Abraham. Now I want you to look at his son, Isaac. And then after Isaac, we're gonna look at Jacob because what I have seen is that a father presented before a son his commitment to the altar to prayer. Then that son committed before his son the commitment to prayer and the importance of an altar. Abraham set the example for Isaac. Isaac set the example for Jacob. So the question is, what are we bequeathing to our children? What do we leave them? What is the inheritance? You ought to leave more than an insurance policy. You ought to leave more than a house and a car and some jewelry. But you ought to leave your child an example, a life lived before God at the altar. So today we look at Isaac. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26, and I'm going to ask at your leisure that before the sun sets tonight that you will have read Genesis chapter 26 in its entirety 
Read the whole chapter before the sun goes down tonight. Genesis chapter 26. But for the sake of time, I'm only going to read selected verses from this 26th chapter. But the revelation is really from verse 1 through verse um, 25. Through verse 25. But I'm only going to read selected verses. Beginning with verse 1 in Genesis chapter 26. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Go down to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. <laughs> and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. I think I'll stop there. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I need you to get a good attitude right now. Get a good attitude right now. You can even point your finger at them if you want to. And look at the person beside you. Tell them, neighbor, keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. It is the hymn writer who said, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he shines on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And it is in this text that serves as the basis for our teaching today that we are giving, given a significant insight on the significance of having an authentic relationship with God and the manifestation 
that our relationship with God has spiritual integrity is to be seen in the expression of a faith wherein we can be obedient to God in the midst of challenging situations. Isaac is in a place called Gerar and there is a famine in the land. That means that in Gerard there is no food, there is no water. It means that there, are, there is not sufficient resources in order for people to remain whole and healthy. There is a famine in Gerard. And so it seems then that the most reasonable and responsible decision that Isaac could make would be to take his family from Gerar and go down to Egypt where the Nile River is, where there would be plenty of food and water that could sustain his family. But the challenge comes that while that would be the most reasonable and seemingly responsible decision to make, God says to Isaac, do not leave Gerar. I want you to stay in Gerar. God's commandment, his directions, his orders to Isaac is to stay in a place that is marked by a famine. And the insight and the inspiration that God gives to Isaac to concur with his command is that God says to Isaac, if you do what I tell you to do, then I will keep the promise with you that I made with your father Abraham. God says to Isaac, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. The same promise that you read that God gave Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God says to Isaac, the same promise I made to your father, Isaac, <clears throat> if you obey my commandments, the same promise I made to your father, I will keep and fulfill that promise through your life as well. And then God reminds Isaac that what made your father's life so fruitful was his obedience. And so take just a minute, beloved, and go back to Genesis chapter 22 so you can really capture the obedience of Abraham and what God is asking Isaac to do. Because you remember that in Genesis chapter 22, it was God who came to Abraham and asked him to do the unexpected. He said to Abraham that day, I want you to take Isaac, the promised child, not Ishmael, not the child of the barn woman, but the child from Sarah's womb, the child that you waited for for 25 years, the child that you have only because of a miracle. <coughs> I want you to take Isaac 
up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice at Mount Moriah. In Genesis chapter 22, the Bible says that Abraham got up early in the morning. He did not have any discussion with God. He didn't have no questions for God. He just got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took Isaac and some of his servants and started making his way to Mount Moriah. <laughs> It was a vivid expression of faith. And when they got down to the foot of Mount Moriah, Abraham said to his servants, you all stay here with the donkey. But Isaac and I, we're going to go on up to Mount Moriah and we're going to worship God and Isaac and I are going to come back down from this mountain. Now at least you have gotten uh, cold on the story. Let me remind you that when God said to Abraham, take Isaac up to Mount Moriah and put him on the altar, that meant that God was saying to Abraham, I want you to kill Isaac, to take Isaac's life. And yet at the foot of Mount Moriah, Abraham has such faith in God that Abraham says to the men, you stay here with the donkey. Isaac and I are going to go up Mount Moriah to worship God and Isaac and I are coming back down. God has told me to take Isaac's life to give him as a sacrifice on the altar and Abraham is saying I don't know how God's going to work it out but some kind of way God's going to have to let me bring Isaac back down from this mountain because Isaac is the promised child and if I don't know anything else about God Abraham says I know that God is a promise keeper. So we're going to go up here and worship, but Isaac and I are coming back down. Which means, beloved, that the greatest form of worship is obedience. <clears throat> you missed it. The greatest form of worship is not you speaking in tongues. The greatest form of worship is not you standing on your feet. The greatest form of worship is not you waving your hand. The greatest form of worship is not you shouting. The greatest form of worship is your act of obedience. Because if we are disobedient, there is no ritual. There is no hand waving. There is no speaking in tongues. There is no praise sufficient to cover our disobedience. God is saying to Isaac, what made your father so fruitful in his life is that he was obedient to the commands that I gave him. And God is promising Isaac that if you will be like your father Abraham, if you will be obedient, if you will follow my directives, and I know what I'm asking you to do, Isaac, is strange. I just commanded you to stay in Gerar. I'm aware that there's a famine in Gerar, but I'm telling you, if you stay here, I'll take care of you. Later on, you'll be able to testify, God, you've been faithful all the days of my life. So that moves me down to verse 12. Then Isaac sold in that land. I'm reading from the Bible. Then Isaac sold in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Wait a minute. Time out. 
put it on pause. I want to make sure what I'm reading. Because verse 1 says that there is a famine in the land. That, that, that's, now verse 1 says there's a famine in the land. That means no food, no water, no resources. That's why Isaac wanted to leave Gerar and go down to Egypt. Verse 12 says, then Isaac sold in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. I don't want to be long-winded today, <clears throat> but I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to make sure that things are connecting here. Because the text says there's a famine in the land. That means there's no water, which means there's no food. No food, no water for the family. No food, no water for the cattle. There's a famine in the land. And I'm trying to make this connection between no resources, no food, no water. But in that year, he reaps a hundredfold. How do you end up with a hundredfold in a land that is characterized by a famine? Well, Malone, don't get stuck. The answer's right there, Walter. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. I want to just tell somebody parenthetically that God does not need an ideal situation in order to bless you. <clears throat> that we serve a God who is so great that he can bless you in any and every situation. He doesn't need ideal settings in order to bless us. No, no, God can bless you anytime under any situation and in under any condition. Uh, the Holy Ghost just gave me a new definition for a problem. Because you see, when we think about problems, we think about obstacles that are too gigantic for us to overcome. When we think about a problem, we think about a chasm that causes us not to be able to make our way over to the other side. When we think about a problem, we think about challenges that are going to eclipse our dreams and wipe out our visions. We think about a problem that something's going to stop us from becoming what God purposed for us to be. But the Holy Ghost told me to give you this new definition of a problem. He told me to tell you that a problem is nothing but a platform for God to manifest his power. That's all the problem is. A problem is nothing but a platform for God to manifest his power. So the next time you have a problem, rather than having a panic attack, rather than becoming frazzled, rather than falling apart, rather than almost about to lose your mind, the next time you have 
have a problem, have a conversation with yourself and tell yourself, I'm getting ready to experience a miracle. Because in the first place, the problem could not occur unless within God's permissive will, he allowed it to shape up. But if God allows the problem to show up in my life, God already knows how to fix it. So rather than me getting nervous, I'm going to go on and break out in a praise that I'm about to experience a miracle because God's about to do for me that which I could never do for myself. I wish I had 10 people here today who still believe in miracles. I wish I had somebody who knows that God can make a way when there appears to be no way. And if you're on the same street I'm on, why don't you go on and give God an early praise, an early shout. If you know if he's ever done it for you, you ought to be able to testify. Maybe somebody needs a biblical uh, undergirding for what I just said. Well, why don't you read Isaiah chapter 41, beginning with verse 17. The word of God reads like this. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Sounds like to me that that's a God who knows how to make a way when there appears to be no way. But then here it is again. Maybe you need a second biblical text. Read again from the prophetic book of Isaiah chapter 43. It reads like this with verse 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I'm glad that the Bible tells me don't live with fear and never forget to who I belong to. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Aren't you glad that if God lets you get in the fire, he won't let you go in there by yourself? Aren't you glad that if you go through the flood, God says, I may let you go through it, but if I let you go through it, I'm going to bring you out of it. Somebody can testify today. I've been in the fire. I've been in the flood. I'm still here. Look at somebody say, he's talking about me right now. Look at somebody else, tell them, I know you didn't know who I was. I know you didn't know that when you sat beside me today, you sat down beside a miracle. But I'm here because of the goodness of God. That's why when, that's why when Tyler was singing, God's been faithful all the days of my life. That's why I was ready to throw something at her, because she was giving my testimony. God's been good to me, not sometime, not part of the time, not most of the time. He's been faithful all the days of my life. Life. I ain't here because I'm so strong. I'm here because God is so good. Isaac was prosperous in Gerar. He was prosperous in a famine place. Had a hundredfold blessing. 
And the Philistines, they became envious of Isaac. They couldn't handle the fact that God was blessing him so much in a land marked by a famine. The Philistines were struggling. They did not have resources. They did not have what they needed to sustain life. And while they're struggling, here it is, Isaac is prospering. The Bible says that they stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham. They stopped up the wells. They stopped up the wells. But then in verse 17 we're told that, or verse 18 rather, we're told and Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Yes, they had stopped up the wells. The devil wants to stop up the spiritual wells of our lives and the reason why the devil wants to stop up the spiritual wells of our lives because the devil knows that if the water is flowing in the well he knows that we're going to then be clear about who we are in terms of our spiritual identity. The devil wants to stop up the spiritual wells of our lives because he knows that if the water is flowing in the wells he knows that we're going to then recognize all of the resources that are available to us in Christ Jesus. So he wants to stop up the wells. But the Bible says, and Isaac dug the wells again, and he named them what, their, what his father had named them. And Isaac dug the wells again. He unstopped the wells. He dug the wells again and named them the same name that his father Abraham had named them, which means that Isaac had a sense of spiritual heritage. He knew where he came from. He knew the, the blessings that, that God had given his father and the same blessings that God had given his father. Now those blessings would materialize in his own life. Beloved, you do not have to live as a family with, with generational curses. No, the devil is a lie. You do not have to live with generational curses. I'm going to say it again. You do not have to live with generational curses. You can live with generational blessings. But in order to have generational blessings, it is important that we redig the wells. It is important that we call them what our mothers and fathers called them in days past and gone. Isaac, he redug those, those wells because he understood what the wells meant to him in terms of his spiritual heritage. You see, the well represents resource and there's water in the well and it is the water that's going to sustain our lives. It is the water that's going to help us to be able able to strive and to continue to live and live a life that Jesus describes as the abundant life. Jesus says it is the thief that comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
You remember, beloved, the story in the Gospel of John chapter 4. You remember the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. It was at Jacob's well. And Jesus asked this woman to give him some water. This woman is stunned by the fact that Jesus is asking her for water because she understands I'm a Samaritan and you are a Jew. And you don't have any dealings with us who are Samaritans. And, on, and then on top of that, I'm a woman. And you know I have a kind of ragged background and you're some type of rabbi and rabbis don't speak to women and particularly a woman of my note and yet Jesus is saying to this woman give me some water to drink but then listen to what Jesus says to her in John chapter 4 verse 13 he said to this Samaritan woman he said whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What Jesus was saying to this Samaritan woman is that when you drink of this water from your well, you get thirsty again. But there is water that I give. There is salvation I give. There is a transformation that I give because what I'm giving you is living water. Jesus says I'm living water. Water. And when you drink of this water, it ain't going to quench your thirst just for a momentary time. But you're going to have your thirst quenched forever and for always because you're going to now start living in the eternal revelation of the promise and the redemption that I'm going to bring into your life. Everybody here today that is saved, you can testify that God in Christ has quenched my thirst. And then listen again to what Jesus says in John chapter 7. This had to do with the time of the Feast of the Tabernacle. And John chapter 7 verse 37 reads on this way. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke, John said, concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Take note of the fact that Jesus says, I'm the living water. And he says, when I give you my water, he says, not only are you not going to thirst, he says, but there's going to be a flow of rivers of living water in your life. And the reason why why you're not going to thirst is because the water that Christ gives us, it is so powerful. It speaks of an abundance and of a vitality that's going to sustain and strengthen you all the days of your life. That's why you must embrace God as Holy Spirit because when the Holy Ghost lives in you, you have living waters. In other words, it's not just one stream, but it's multiple streams, it's several streams. It is the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit means that God keeps showing up in our lives in various ways, in various manners, at various times to meet various needs in your life. And
and you ought to be glad. You ought to shout with joy tonight that you've got the Holy Ghost in you. You've got the greatest power in the world inside of you and you need to praise God and thank God for it. But when I talk about being thirsty, beloved, you've got to know where to get the water from. If you're thirsty, you can't get it from just anybody. No, no, no. If you're thirsty, man, a Chevy's ain't going to take care of this. Camus Cabernet Chevron ain't going to take care of this. No, no. Woofer Reserve ain't going to take care of this. No, 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 no. Tito's ain't going to take care of this. I'm trying to call yours in just a minute. Champagne ain't going to take care of this. No, if you want to have your thirst quenched, you got to know where to get the water from. And again, I hear Isaiah saying in his prophetic book, Isaiah 55, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David let me say that again because that's a place for you to get up and start skipping let me say it again the Lord makes a promise and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David my soul cries out hallelujah yes thank you Jesus Jesus says if you're thirsty and you want to have your thirst quenched come to me quit going to places that can't deliver quit listening to the demonic and having them lead you in false places no if you want your thirst quenched the only one that can do it is me I'm a thirst quencher I'm a life giver. I'm a spirit reviver. Come to me and drink and it ain't going to cost you anything. Isaac dug again the wells that his father had dug and he named them what his father had named them. I want to move on and close but I got to stop here parenthetically I got to take my time here just for a second because I got to remind somebody in this house that there's water in the well yeah there's water in the well so if you're here and you're thirsty it ain't because water ain't available God told me to tell you there's still water in the well because all you got to do is go to his word and you'll find that there's water in the well. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. There's water in the well. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. There's water in the well. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. There's water in the well. 
God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. There's water in the well. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's water in the well. We can overcome because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's water in the well. He will give you a peace that passeth all understanding. That's water in the well. We are conquerors and more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's water in the well. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's water in the well. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, there is water in the well. There's water in the well. But not only did Isaac redig the wells of his father, but he dug some new wells. Yeah, he dug some new wells. Listen to what we're told in chapter 26, verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of his father. But then go down to verse verse. Uh, 19, also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Ezek, because they quarreled with him. Then he dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called his name Sineth. Yeah. He was digging new wells. And the reason why God leads us to dig new wells is because God wants to remind us that he's the God that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he's the God who will continue to give us insight and revelation on what his will is for our lives. God says, I want you to keep digging some new wells because I want you to know I'm a God of purpose and a God of progress and a God of purpose, a God of providence. And that if you keep on searching for my will, God says, I'll lead you to dig some new wells because I'm going to reveal to you how I purpose to continue to work in your life and through your life so that you can become a spiritual reference point for the establishment of of my kingdom in the world. I told you earlier today, you weren't saved just to come to church. You're saved to help save others. You're saved to be a glory carrier for God. This thing is real. Because our God is real. God says, I want you to keep on digging new wells. But as Isaac was digging wells, the herdsmen of Gerar came against him. And the devil finds it needful and necessary to come against you when you're walking in the perfect will of God, when you're giving yourself to God for the advancement of his kingdom. The devil says, I can't leave you alone because it's not just that you're going to be blessed, but your children are going to be blessed. And, and your friends are going to be blessed and your neighborhood's going to be blessed and everybody that you come in contact with is going to be blessed because they're going to see my glory being manifested in your life 
So do you think you're going to keep digging wells and the devil leave you alone? Oh no, he's got to come against you. But when he comes against you, don't take the negative negatively. Take the negatively positive and say, I must be in the right line with God because the enemy wouldn't be coming against me if I were not doing what God told me to do. He called the first well when they came against him Exeek, which means the place of contention. And when he came against him again, he called that next well the well of sinneth, which means the place of hostility. Uh, but what I like about Isaac is that when you get to uh, verse uh, 20, I think it is, uh, no, verse 21, no, 22, and he moved, that is Isaac, and he moved from there and dug another well. He's digging wells, people trying to stop him, people coming against him, but he wouldn't quit. He dug another well. God told me to tell you, if you don't quit, if you just keep on persevering, if you keep on pressing your way, God told me to tell you, I'm going to show you. I know how to handle the enemy. And I know how to shut him down. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. He dug another well and he called this well Rehoboth. And Rehoboth means, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. I need you to just shout Rehoboth. Now shout God's making room for me. Oh, God's making room for me. That's shouting information. God's making room for me. Rehoboth. God's making room for me. God's making room for me. Rehoboth. God's making room for me. Oh, I need to give it to you, I guess, on another level. God is increasing your territory. God is letting the prayer of Jabez come into fruition in your life. I need to make it clear. This is increase and elevation. I said it's increase and elevation. I need to make it clear and clear. I'm talking about God is opening up a door for you. I need to make it real earthy today. God's about to give you double for your trouble. Somebody shout hallelujah. With all I've gone through, you think I'd be having a pity party, but I ain't having no pity party because all of my life, he's been faithful to me. Not sometime, all the time. All of my life, God's been faithful. All of my life, God's been there. All of my life, putting bread on the table. All of my life, putting water in my cup. All of my life, giving me strength when I was tired. All of my life, giving me power when I was weak. All of my life,
life, drying the tears from my eyes. All of my life, helping me take care of my children. All of my life, when I fell down, he picked me back up. God's been faithful to me all the days of my life. So what did Isaac do? Isaac built an altar because when God's been good to you, what is the proper response? When God's been good to you, you ought to come fall at the altar. What are you going to do when you get to the altar? Tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Have I got anybody in the house today that's grateful for what the Lord has done? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Can you show some signs? God, I'm thankful. God, I give you glory. God, I give you honor. God, I give you praise. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. The Lord has brought me from a mighty long ways. Yes, yes, hallelujah, yes. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't God all right? Won't he take care of you? Won't he make a way? I need some radical praises. I need somebody that give God an undignified praise. Not a patty pat, but a scream, but a holler, but a shout, but a dance, but a run. I need somebody who would tell themselves if it had not been that the Lord was on my side, I wouldn't be up in here this morning. But since I'm here and since I know what he's done for me, I'm going to lose it right now. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 Lord, yes to your will, yes to your way, glory, hallelujah. Pastor, I've been living at Garah. I've been living, Pastor, at Garah. And while I'm living in Garah, the Lord let me make it to church today.
I, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know where everybody else is living. But my address is Garah. But I didn't come to church today complaining. I didn't come bemoaning the fact of where I live. I didn't come with a pity party disposition. Even though I live in Garah, I, I entered into his gates with thanksgiving. And I came into his courts with praise. For the Lord is good and his mercy endure to all generations. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in